I'm Gavin Scott, your host. Welcome to the Stay Outstanding podcast, the show that shares wisdom and gifts knowledge, motivates you to be your authentic self, influences you to fulfill your true potential, encourages you to take action, and inspires you to step into your greatness. Welcome back for another episode. Uh, I'm so pleased to have in the studio today Rebecca Anderson, who is a career and life coach. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, Gavin. Thanks for having me. I've been looking so much forward to to seeing you again while we spoke last night. But it's nice to see you again. Um, How did you become a career and life coach? Um, well, it all started, uh, as I think it does for many coaches, with something, you know, in my own life happening that I, I burned out really badly with, with stress while struggling to, to climb the corporate career ladder. And I just realized that I was totally on, on the wrong path and that I needed to, to make some changes in my life, um, not just related to work, but how I you know, showed up in my own life and how I, I dealt with with my circumstances. And then it brought me to coaching and I just totally loved it. And I just knew right away that I wanted to learn how to coach and help other people, um, yeah, change their lives for the better. So what did your burnout consist of? Um, uh, you're thinking about why I burned out, like, like the root causes of my, of my burnout. I think it was, um, several things. It was definitely like too much work. I was working way too much, uh, at least from, from, for me, from what I could tolerate. And I did that for a very long time and ignored kind of, you know, the symptoms, you know, I just kept on going. And then I think a lot of difficult things happened in my families in the year leading up to that my my father got really sick and unfortunately passed passed away and you know it a lot of you know external factors that are super stressful and challenging but I think like the main reason it got to where it got for me was because I kept on taking responsibility for things I just could not control and truly believe that it was my responsibility to to kind of foresee the the, the future and process other people's emotion and take care of their problems which is just impossible so i think that is kind of the root course for for me burning out so it was also a way for me to relating to my circumstances to myself to my emotions uh, and basically, I related to it by not related to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and just absolutely. being super focused on everything besides myself. It's funny yeah. what, what happens when we're focusing on everything else but ourselves. It's uh, yeah. What's even more interesting is how people that aren't focusing on themselves don't have the capacity to see that you know and it takes Mm -hmm. a burnout a breakdown a tragedy to create that opportunity for us to see um yeah I think it does for some people I mean 
Um, yeah, because if you just, you know, you can't outrun uh, a negative pattern or something painful, it will always, always, always come back and it will just come back in like with more intensity and scream louder and louder and louder and louder until we have to listen, right? Absolutely. Um, it's really interesting burnout because it's particularly in the corporate world it's such a massive 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 thing that people don't a understand but b they don't see it coming you know yeah um, i think like i think yeah, sorry, leadership no, needs to do more in order to see it coming but b prevent it from coming Definitely. But I think maybe also a problem in terms of corporate burnout is that I think top, maybe not top, top management, but I feel like the, the middle layer, they are all super stressed themselves. And I mean, what happens physiologically when we are under like swimming around this stress cocktail for a long time, we, we also lose our capacity to kind of think long term and, you know, see the broader picture because we kind of get into this tunnel vision and i mean do you know what i mean so it's super difficult to i believe to let it be up to 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 leaders or managers um i really believe that yeah definitely we need to find you know big solution because i believe it's a structural problem in our part of the world but the problem is here now so my my point of view is that we need to empower employees in the corporate world with individual practical strategies so they know how to cope with their day-to-day -day stress because stress is you know it's a circumstance that we need to deal with does I, that make sense absolutely i couldn't agree more and what i'm hearing from you is that you are experiencing this tornado of emotions that you could no longer control and you know, if people have strategies, they can prevent getting to that stage where the tornado arises. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, sorry. No, no, please. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, it's not even, yeah, of course, about emotions. And to me, it goes way beyond, you know, dealing with stress and learning how to cope with that and have strategies to control how do you say that like uh, manage the pressure that we under all the time but it essentially it's about knowing ourselves self-awareness and understanding how is my own behavior right now making me feel even more stressed and how can I relate to the fact that I have a huge workload how can I relate to that in an in a different way how can I relate to these organizational changes that are happening yet again in a way that is more, um, uh, how do you say that, like uh, caring for, for myself and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because if you empower people, they tend to rise. And if you don't empower people, they tend to fall. And so, you know, I kind of almost think that the responsibility is on the organization. But of course, the organization doesn't take responsibility. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think most organizations that do come from, or at least 
from my experience in the organizations where I've been working, I do believe that there is a wish to improve things. There is a wish to uh, reduce the level of stress, but there's not a how. How can we actually do that? And how can we do it fast enough? Because turning an organization around and and making changes that would change the ways we are working will take a long, long time. And if we put on, on top of that, like the organizational you know how do you say it? like internal policies to come to terms to how are we going to make an internal policies to stress prevention um so yeah of course they have a responsibility but i'm thinking the problem is here now so we gotta empower the people yeah absolutely it's what's what's fascinating is if you asked most mid-level managers do you experience stress on a daily basis or during your working week? They would probably reply no. So they don't even know that they're stressed because they're that's just the caught up in this chaos. Yeah, I think that's one thing. And I think actually another thing to that, I, I thought about it last week because I was hosting a workshop about the topic, about understanding the stress response cycle. And what I said to them is that, I mean, the thing is that we're talking about stress as if it were a disease, and it's not. I mean, it's a natural response that we all have, and it's a response that we get every single day. So it's not so much, you know, stress in itself, that's not a problem, as long as we have the capacity to process the stress response in our bodies. But because people kind of put that label, oh, stress, no, but I'm not sick from stress. I know, but you're still affected by it. And your performance is affected by stress long before it becomes to, uh, you know, um, a problem where you get all types of symptoms of what we think about stress. Do you know what I mean? So I think this also about like the narrative about what stress is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you see or define stress how do you what sorry how do you see or define stress me what's what's the narrative um what i hear stress is like stress is just um or not just that people perceive that stress is when you are like sick from stress that you are that it's uh where you're going on sick leave and you're like super affected by by your stress so you can't work properly and you know you have to take some time off from work i feel like that's kind of how we begun to talk about stress because so many people are experiencing stress like chronic stress at that level but in reality stress is a natural response it's a physiological process that happens in the body and neurologically for all of us every day. And I mean, you don't have to um, be sick or be like super, super pressured to experience stress in your body because it's a natural response. And in most cases, it's just, you know, you go through the stress response and you go to the other side and you move to relaxation. Perfect. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. To me. <laughs> <laughs> great so how can we help 
mid-level managers go through their stress experience to their benefit? It's a good question um, because, I mean, like you said, I think you said that maybe they don't even realize that they are actually stressed themselves because there's so much in neglect. Like I was, I mean, I was in totally denial until I burned completely out uh, with stress because, you know, yeah, that's what happens. I mean, the more stressed you are, the more counterintuitive it is for you to slow down. That's, you know, that's the tricky part. But I think maybe a part of it is to start, if we should talk about organizational level, to talk about stress more as a preventive thing and maybe start talking about uh, or maybe including the stress talk into how do we increase performance? How do we improve our teamwork? Because it also affects that. So it becomes a more integrated part of how we talk well, business in reality, and maybe not even talk about it as stress, but talk about it as how do we improve well-being? Mm-hmm. I think maybe that will be an easier way to talk about it if we talk about it in terms of that. So we'll come back to how do we improve well-being in a minute. What's really interesting is I had burnout and I felt it and I saw it coming and I experienced it the whole way through until obviously it just imploded. Mm. Uh, It was during my bankruptcy. So I tried to salvage the business or the company for nine months and each day it would just get heavier and heavier until, you know, there was a noose around my neck and it got so tight that I could barely breathe. And then the day that the actual bankruptcy happened, you know, the the noose just disappeared and I could breathe again and it was, the storm was over, you know. Um, Yeah. So I I actually felt and saw my incoming, but not many people do. How can we improve wellness then in organisations? That's a big, that's a big question (laughs) Uh, thanks for that um how can we improve well-being in organizations well i i still believe that that individually and it's not like put all the responsibility to the individual person but i think we are so exposed to so many stresses all the time uh, in the life that we're living that we as individuals, we need to be like super, super aware about uh, like our minds because it's so busy all the time. So I think individually, we need strategies to how do I cope with my pressure, with my stress and what exactly like do I need to create more balance, to create um, conditions for me to thrive in, in this crazy world we're living in. And I, th- I, I believe that, that that is like the most, I don't know if it's the most important step to take, but I believe that's where we can act faster now instead of waiting for big organizations to kind of change. And especially with the changes we've seen in organizations these past years with the pandemic and so on, that people are working more remote. It, 
it becomes even more important, I believe, for the individual to figure out, okay, what are my boundaries and what am I willing to accept? What am I not willing to accept? Um, and become super clear in communi communicating this. It's interesting because when you first make a job application, you don't get asked those kind of questions. And, no. um, you know, actually, I think if people were very honest and open about their boundaries at that stage in the process, they might not even get the job. You know, like HR is a real tick box process. Either, mm. either you do fulfill the criteria or you don't. And beyond that, nothing else matters. So I think we've got to change that culture as well, because if people can't be honest and open from the start, then they're always going to be hiding something. That is so true. That is so true. Like there's also a really a thing about building trust, right? And believing that that people know the best what's what's best for them and what circumstances they need in order to thrive and perform in their job. Um, that's kind of one thing from maybe the organizational part of it. And then there's also the individual person that um that keeps being curious about what is actually my best conditions for performing my best and to like thriving in my work and in my life and having the courage to come forward with that because the managers also need that information, you know, it's especially how, I mean, maybe also in Denmark, we have a very flat like uh, business culture and maybe it's more okay to be very direct. I think maybe that's more acceptable in Denmark, I think. But still, uh, still here where the, the structure is so flat, that requires a lot of self-leadership from the employees also. And the manager will need to get like information from them to know how can I support you then? I mean, I, I know from my own experience in corporate that I wouldn't dare dream of going into my manager's office and sharing that kind of information because I know what would happen. It wouldn't be instant, but there would be judgment and it wouldn't be good judgment. It would be, you know, when the time is right, let's replace this guy. <laughs> that's, mm. that's not healthy for your employees to know that they're replaceable. It doesn't that's, promote that's longevity, true. doesn't promote uh, peak performance. Uh, so then the cogs within the organization actually begin to not operate together. And mm. that's not cohesive for an organization to, to move forwards with. No, that is so true. I mean, I feel like I have like a, a before my burnout in corporate and then I had an after my burnout in corporate. Um, because, I mean, I changed companies after I, I came back from sick leave. I came back to the company because I needed to, you know, figure out what which part was the job I was doing, which part was about the culture that wasn't a match for me anymore, and which part was about me. And after I came back, I just realized, okay, it's not a match anymore. I don't, I don't want to put in the work to make the changes I need in order to thrive in this. So I'm leaving, right? It was a conscious choice. So I quit. And then I moved to another corporate company where my approach was completely different. 
I mean, when I first met with my former, now former boss, I told him up front, like, I've been, I've been out with stress for, for, uh, I don't remember how many months I was out. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to take a coaching training program and I want to be a coach. What do you think about that? You know, we talked about that in the first interview. So my approach and how, how I kind of, um, um, thought about, you know, the relationship between me and him was totally different from my first job in corporate. And that also was a game changer for how my relationship was with my boss in the, in, in my, in my former company, because he knew where, where I came from. He knew what my dreams was and he was awesome. And he was super supportive. I'm like, that sounds awesome. And then he ended up hiring me. That's, that's yeah. wonderful. I wonder how many people have that experience. Yeah, maybe not that many. And I hope I hope there are plenty out there that had that has tried that same experience. But I mean, in the same in the exact same organization, I heard employees being holding back from sharing um, how pressured they actually felt in the day to day job with the managers because they had the higher and fire power. In the exact same company. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, how power tends to uh, convolute the decision-making process. You know, it's like, uh, what's the real risk here? I think that's that's a genuine question. And uh, a lot of those power-hungry sort of managers will think that the risk is their own position right and so yeah. it's uh it's known that they're power hungry and that you don't approach them you know um it's such a fascinating subject it really is what is one of your uh recent experiences working as a coach with corporates where you've had tremendous success uh, well, I don't have any corporate clients as direct corporate clients, but I have clients that work in corporate. Okay. Um, I think um, I have plenty, but some of them, what I what I really like and what I also experienced myself while working in corporate is that it is possible, you know, to to incorporate or integrate. Um, practical routines or strategies that support you in actually taking good care of your well-being and your own needs, even though that you're working in a high-performing environment. It is possible, but it it also needs to come from you. Because, well, uh, yeah. What are some of those routines? It can be, it's it's super, super simple and as it should be. It could really just be like um, having a super, I wouldn't say strict rules if that's the right way to put it, but be very um, um, consistent with your breaks, for instance. Like being, it's a non-negotiable for me to every second hour, I need to leave my desk. That was one of kind of the, the support strategies I, I developed with, with one, of, one of my clients. And it's so super simple and it has to be. But just putting that in as a non-negotiable, I have every second hour, I need to leave my computer. Because just that break, like that giving your brain 
that kind of uh, relaxation, even for 10 minutes, it will help you come back and work even like work more efficient and make better priorities. So that yeah. could just be one example. And so many people, they're like, no, I don't have time for that break. I need to just, you know, like work like a maniac and they work, 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 work. But they end up doing maybe stuff they didn't have to do or they have to go back and rework it. And then it wasn't efficient either way. So I think when that happens, there's a massive disconnect between the brain and the heart. The brain says yeah. work harder. The heart says release and let go, you know. Uh, yeah, but people, I, people, yeah, aren't, people aren't sort of encouraged to operate from a place of heart. Mm. They're encouraged to I work think that's true. from a place of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from a place from sweat. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe also it's just been oh many many years it's been about uh it's all about the facts and you know but you know of course it's about the facts but you you can't really use facts to anything if you don't think about the context and to be aware of the context well you need to be connected to to your heart to you know in, intentions and so on absolutely yeah. interesting so we're not machines we're not no no um how do you encourage somebody then to not work harder but work smarter from a well-being point of view well i don't get them to do anything um but what we usually talk about is um finding examples of what happens when they actually feel good what happens in terms of um, their ability to perform at work? What happens to their ability to connect with the colleagues and find good solutions? And what happens um, when they feel good when they go home, for instance, and be with their loved ones? What happens? Well, things flow easier. And it doesn't feel like a struggle. And it's like, ah, oh, okay. So what about us trying to figure out ways where you can, you know, feel longer times, um, period of times where you actually feel good while you're working? Because you just told me that you're actually performing better. You actually feel like a better person when you take care of yourself. So that could be a way. And then, of course, also talk about the facts. The what happens with the body, with the brain, when you're all soaked up in, in like the stress hormones that is running through your body well you're not that efficient and honestly we are not that smart when we are super super stressed because we're in fight and flight like i said um i like to use an the example with um like with, with what what happens with us when we're like super stressed and i like to use the hulk as an example you know, because he's like this uh, Bruce, Dr. Bruce Banner, this, you know, this cautious uh, scientist, like super smart and kind of, uh, you know, holding back a little bit. But then when he gets under this um, immense emotional distress, then he turns into the Hulk and he's just like destroy and he's kind of stupid, you know, and it, and we're kind of at the same state when we get super, super stressed. We just don't have um, access to the full 
uh, capacity of our of our brains. So sometimes I use that analogy, and they're like, "Oh, okay." I like the analogy. If you could change one thing about how a corporate entity operates, what would it be? Gosh, I wish they would spend less time on like um, system pleasing. I think that takes away um, a lot of time or like it, it generates a lot of, in from my perspective, uh, unnecessarily work. Um, because, you know, we got to place all the layers in the organization and everybody needs to know everything about everything. Um, and I think that's also stressing out um, a lot of people throughout a corporate organization. But I don't have an answer to how to operate a, a corporate business better. Not at all. The um, idea of being a people pleaser really reflects, and I'm going to use the words you used earlier, how you show up. Hmm. So if you're being encouraged by an organization to please the people within the system, uh, I think that really doesn't allow for, you know, people to grow and have best results, right? Like yeah. in all levels of corporations, we need better leadership. And actually, the way that that comes, and there's, there's only one way you can do that, and that's to affect leadership at the highest level and have trickle-down effect. So then what you're asking is for leaders of these huge corporations to acknowledge their own wellness, their well-being, mm. and their own performance, their own stress levels, and then to get the trickle-down effect once they themselves have experienced the benefits of acknowledging it. I think mm. that's such a big thing, like so many people don't acknowledge it. I think that's true. And I think also there's, um, yeah, sure, the top leader, leadership, management, whatever, they need to be on board. But I think there's also a very important part, and that is to accept that maybe it's time to not, um, or maybe it's time to accept producing less and better instead of more. Big. You know, That's big. and I and I <laughs> and I really think if if it is to change how how corporations are are running today, because everything needs to be faster uh you know and more efficient uh and it has to cost less money it's like that all the time right yeah um and i think if if we want to put well-being and health first um we also need to accept there are some things that will at the beginning be slower but then hopefully we will speed up because we start making better decisions we start producing better better products software whatever you're doing from the beginning because we have the full capacity of our brains while we're operating, right? Sounds uh, sounds sensible to me. So we agree. That's awesome. Uh, let's get personal. What are some of your well-being techniques that you use to keep yourself sane every day? 
um, I have um, like a morning routine. Obviously, uh, I have more time in the morning because I'm I have my own business, so I do what I want whenever I want it more or less. But I have a, a morning routine where I do the same thing every morning. So I get up, I do like a type of uh, yoga exercises. My my mat is ready on the floor. So it's, uh, it's you know, I don't have to think that much about it. It's there, it's ready. And then I, I journal and I go for a walk one or twice a day, at least once a day. Um, so that's kind of my routines that um, are also my go-to if I feel stressed or under a lot of pressure. But, you know, the more you practice before you need it, the easier it is for you to actually do it when you need it. When I'm turned into the Hulk, it's easier for me to go out for, for a walk, right, before I smash my computer. Absolutely. So that's one thing, yeah. Yeah, the, the morning routine is such a big piece of the puzzle. Um it is to that, me. I know that people will wake up and they will instantly start playing with their phone and looking at it. And, you know, mm. that's not the best way. The best way is to leave it off, do your morning routine, and then turn it on. You know, otherwise the external world impacts the internal. So even if you totally agree, viewed it for five minutes, looked at an email, responded to an email, and then went on your mat. Those thoughts are in your head. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah, you've just woken so up. You've come, you've come from a place of peace and harmony. You don't want to be mm. floating into the external world with all of this. Uh, That's so true. Stuff. And I think, I mean, I, I think the most important thing about these um, ensuring our well-being and all of that, the most important thing is that the strategies you have, they are like super, super simple. And that they fit to the life that you are leading. I mean, it makes no sense if I, for instance, told my clients that have three young children and working corporate and tell them, oh, in the morning, you know, you need to do yoga for about 20 minutes. And then if you can journal a little bit, it makes no sense because it's not the life she leads. So to her, it will be something else, an other routine that maybe included her children or something like that to make it work for the life she's actually living. And the same goes for if you work in corporate and you know that every every morning when you get there, you always had have a meeting at 10. Well, then it's not there you're going to have your, your break, right? So I think that's also really important to look at what's actually possible right now with the life I'm leading now. And then we can always like improve that life, but to use the routines that's possible for you now. Um, I, I, I agree that's, Living in the present moment is such a powerful um, concept. Just a couple questions left uh, mm -hmm. today, Rebecca. If uh, anyone has uh, resonated with what you've said and they'd like to reach out and contact you, how can they do that? They can reach me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I think that will be the, the easiest way for them to reach me and they can just in 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 linkedin i'm just called rebecca andresen which is my name and i can type it in for you uh so it's spelled correctly um <laughs> and then on instagram it's rebecca underscore andresen and i'm spelled with two k's but i will drop you a message awesome it, it'll be in the show notes don't worry Ah, okay, perfect. And if anyone gets super confused, you can just let me know and I'll give you Rebecca's details. 
<laughs> perfect perfect yeah but please reach out and we can just have like a no strings attached chat who knows awesome. uh i thought you were going to say something else there but i'm pleased you didn't it wouldn't have been right for this audience <laughs> <laughs> no 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 strings attached talk <laughs> it will just be a talk <laughs> Uh, lastly, last question for you. What does stay outstanding mean to you? Stay outstanding. Um, I think it's like uh, the curiosity to keep exploring yourself and, and keep growing, you know, like a tree. It never stops grow growing. So why, why should we do that? Absolutely. Yeah, Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, you know, Thank you, Gavin. imparting your wisdom with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the content and got any value, please do like it, rate it, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment. You'll find us across all the social media channels, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. It's been my privilege to host you today. I'm Gavin Scott. Until next time, stay outstanding.